Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am the uh, the owner and proprietor of the Seckler Law Firm, uh, and we have dedicated our practice to helping families uh, with all things estate planning, elder law, asset protection, planning for young kids, protecting assets from the nursing home. This is what we do. We don't do traffic tickets. We don't do divorces. We don't do family law. Uh, we don't do any of that. We, we are dedicated to helping you uh, protect what you've worked hard for and to plan for your family and to make sure that uh, your goals and desires are, are accomplished. Um, and the Life and Legacy show, this radio show that you have found yourself listening to, if you are a first-time listener, welcome. If you are a return listener, welcome back. Um, the, uh, the idea of the show is sometimes I teach some legal technical, sometimes I, uh, I just tell you some stories about what's going on in the world to try to encourage you to think about this stuff because I think it's important. And I, I need to get you thinking about planning for your family and your money and, and the values and the things that you, uh, you cherish and find important. Uh, and today we're going to do a little bit of both. We're going to do some, some technical, we're going to do some opinion. Um, and, uh, before we get into that, one of the things I like to do is just give you a little bit of a warning that estate planning is not a do-it-yourself business. Uh, yes, you can find documents online, but documents aren't plans. Plans are one tool of a of an entire toolbox um, uh, that creates the entire estate plan. So don't just rely on the stuff that you can find uh, on the Internet. It's not going to be good enough for your family. Your family deserves better. Work with an estate planner. Work with us. Work with someone else who knows what they're doing. Of course, I'd like you to work with us. But uh, my bigger concern is that you think about this stuff and you plan well for your family. Um, And so uh, don't make uh, estate planning decisions based on what you hear on this show or any other radio show for that matter. Uh, Seek out the help of a professional if uh, if you need some help in these areas. Uh, And around the Seckler house, it has been a big week, a big week. We had Easter which happened to coincide with my wife's birthday. And then as I'm recording this, uh, today is my little girl's birthday. And so we have a, uh, we have a whole week full of birthdays here. My little girl, my baby, she's turning five and she's not a, she's not a baby anymore. She's always going to be a baby, but I was doing this thing with her the other day, you know, that, that parents do where I told her she's not allowed to have a birthday cause I don't want her to get any bigger. And the poor thing, uh, she said, but daddy, if I get bigger, I won't have to jump to kiss you. And I thought, my goodness, this is, she broke my heart in one sentence. She is going to absolutely break hearts as time goes on and including mine time and time again. Uh, and I'm not sure I am prepared for my little girl to, to be a teenager and beyond. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know how one does that, but, uh, so we had a, we had her fifth birthday this week. And uh, my wife had her birthday. I, I'm smart enough to not tell you the number, uh, but let me just tell you that uh, she thinks uh, she she calls every birthday her 29th birthday. And and I'll just say she's had a lot of 29th birthdays at this point. I hope she never listens to this episode. Uh, so anyway, um, and you know, and, and it just kind of makes you think. Time keeps ticking. You know, we we live our busy lives, and and we do uh, we go to work, and we you know we're in this we're in this spring. 
season of running to baseball practice or soccer practice four or five, six days a week, uh, and, and time just flies by. And, and, you know, I've got these three kids. And if you're a parent, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, you know, enjoy it. It goes fast. But, boy, it does go fast. And, and, uh, and you know, it, it, I've, I've just been spending a lot of time with family this week, which has been wonderful because uh, for the last year we really haven't got to do a lot of, of spending the time with, with family. And, and it just kind of has me thinking about what I'm always thinking about is, is how, how do we make sure that, that when things are going right and things in my family seem to be going right right now, I'm lucky, I'm a lucky parent, uh, and, and I've got lucky kids and, and everything is going well. But you know, if, if our, if our fortune wasn't so good, if we had a, an accident, if we had a, a health issue in our family. Are we prepared? You know, I do this for a living and I still ask, you know, is there anything I could be doing better? Is there anything I can do to make sure that these kids are better provided for or to make sure that they continue to get the, the ethical and moral training if I'm not around? And, you know, and, and so uh, I'm going to give you some thoughts today on planning for kids. Now, kids of any age, kids, uh, uh, Kids when they're little, kids when they're teenagers, kids in their 20s, kids when they're uh, adults and have their own kids. You know, these are different stages in, in, of of life, and they require different thought process and how we plan uh, with estate planning. And, and so we'll sort of walk through some of that today. And then depending on, on time and, and where we go, I do have some things I want to talk about regarding uh, entry to long-term care facilities. Uh, the... Um, this seems to be pretty busy right now. Uh, we're going to have an awesome guest on our show next week by the name of Lorna Gavin. Lorna and I have known each other for a very long time, and she helps people find the right level of care. She is a uh, she's a geriatric care manager, and she continues to work with people to uh, to make sure that they are their healthcare needs are met with the uh, the services that are provided out there in the world, and so. Uh, lucky to have her, and she'll have some more thoughts on this. But in my, what what I'm seeing is, and what my healthcare partners are in the, out in the community are telling me is, admissions to long term care facilities are going up because one, they're now um, the facilities are mostly fully vaccinated, so it's not as big of a health concern. Which two allows uh, families to come in and visit, and so. Um, if families have been sitting on the sidelines knowing that they need to get mom or dad additional care for the last year, uh, it seems to be a, a more appropriate proposition for some of these families at this point. So I want to give you a couple of tips about if, if you are uh, going to uh, be considering about long-term care options for your family. So, But before we, get, before we do that, I, I really do want to chat about the planning for the little kids. So now this is done, um, this is done a couple of different ways. Um, there are and there are all these terms and all these different vehicles that get tossed around when people are talking about uh, planning for others and and what a state of planning generally is about all of it is it's only really managing a couple of things and that is who's in control of me and my things and who has access to me and my things and under what terms and conditions you know who's making the decisions around here is it me is it my appointed person. And who has access to my stuff? Is it me? Is it my kids? Is it is it their kids? Is it the tax man? Is it the nursing home? Is it, you know, who who can get to my stuff? And so what lawyers try to do, what we try to do with the estate planning is just answer the questions. Is We, we try to understand who are the potential people, entities, government systems that are going to try to get you access to your stuff. 
Uh, and then what are the what are the drafting ways? What what are the ways that we can use estate planning documents to prevent them from getting to your stuff? And then second is, and it's related, is who's making the decisions? Because sometimes you have to give up some decision making to protect assets. Sometimes you don't. It, it really depends on, on your specific situation, what your specific goals are. Now, in planning for young kids, there's a, there's a few more things we need to think about. So um, most families at least do estate planning with a will. In our office, some families do trusts. Um, but in any event, you're going to use these documents to name a person called your child's guardian. So like if my wife and I would both die in an accident, we need to appoint a guardian of our children. Um, but see, and then the guardian, you can kind of think of the guardian as in a legal way, stepping into the, to the shoes of the parents. You know, this is the person who's going to decide where the youngster is going to live. This is the person who's going to decide where they go to school, what religion they're going to, you know, what services they go to and all the rest. So you have to, you have to, and it's great. It's, it really only works well if, uh, if you're married and husband and wife, uh, can decide together that if we both would pass, this is the person we want in control next. Um, and then you name a backup, but here's the thing about guardianship is that guardianship ends, um, you know, your kids get into their 20s. Guardianship is now over. But listen, there's not a lot of 21-year-olds who are out there making groundbreaking, groundbreaking smart financial decisions. And I wouldn't have made smart financial decisions. You know, I carry a lot of life insurance um, at these days. I have three little kids. I own a business. If uh, if I'd pass away, I'd, there's a whole lot of life insurance going down. And if my wife and I both pass away, in particular, there's a whole lot of life insurance that's going to go down to these kids. But I don't want them getting it on their 21st birthday. Uh, I mean, ask yourself honestly uh, the, the question of how well have you would perform had somebody dropped a whole bunch of money on your lap on your 21st birthday. Um, and, and the answer is, you know, most of us who are honest enough to admit is I probably would have made some mistakes. There would have been a fast car. There would have been some vacations I, I didn't need. There would have been there would have been some other mistakes made, and and what we're trying to do is is provide for our kids, but also there's a certain period of time where we need to protect our kids from themselves, right? Uh, and usually that time period exceeds the age of eighteen or twenty one, and so when doing estate planning, we often use a, a vehicle that could be set up in your will or your trust called an underage trust. Now, the money, the life insurance proceeds all goes to this trust. And it's, let's say you have a kid named Johnny and Julie, and we need to send money to Johnny and Julie. So we create them a trust. Now, there's a couple of different ways to do it. You can do a common trust where they share in the goodies, or you can each give them each their own trust, which most of the time is the way I prefer to do this. Uh, and, and I'll explain why in a second, but the idea here is then there's this entity, this thing called the trust, and there are terms and conditions around the, uh, how the assets, the trust owns will be managed. This is how we manage control and access. So in a, in a classic example, it is, we name, we name a, uh, an uncle to be the child's guardian. And then that, that uncle may continue to be, uh, the trustee on the underage trust, because if guardianship ends at 18, maybe we run this uh, this underage trust to 25, 30, 35. Like the longer I do estate planning, the longer it seems to me families are talking about doing management of these assets. I don't know if that's an indication on 
you know, with, with the general idea that youngsters are maturing slower uh, or or what. But it used to be 21. Then it was it seemed to be kind of 25. But now, like people that used to graduate college at 21, it seems to be a lot of these kids are on a five and six year program, which delays their getting the job, which delays their getting out in the real world, which delays their buying homes, which delays everything. And and so these it, I'm seeing a lot of people wanting to do planning for the kids until age 30, age 35. And sometimes even beyond that. And so, you know your kids better than we do, but the idea is someone probably ought to have a pen to that checkbook until a certain age. Um, and it's not that they, it's, this thing is not the design to deprive your kids of the, of the money. The reason you have the life insurance or the reason you save the money is so that your kids wouldn't be destitute if you passed away. But we put some uh, we put some discretionary distribution standards in here that say that the money the money should be used for health care and it should be used for education and a reasonable standard of living uh, in the discretion of the person called the trustee and the trustee is in control of that mo- that money until the child reaches a certain age. Okay, um, and usually we draft it to be relatively conservative. Uh, we we're not buying Ferraris with this money. We're not buying sports car. We're not providing. A monthly beer uh, or or other vice uh, budget here. Uh, it, it's needs based distributions, but then as the child gets used to the system and there's money set aside for them and and they're having a decent education, they're having a decent living. At some point, they reach what we call the age of majority uh, with regard to the trust. And so let's just say that that's age 25 in your family. You say, yeah, at 25 the kid can have the money, or at 30 the kid can have the money. Great. Um, now what most estate plans do is most estate plans would then terminate the trust at that birthday and Johnny and Julie get their inheritance, which I think is the absolute wrong way to do it. Um, and, and I'll explain why, um, new day, new age, new decade for the kid, new problems for the kid. And so what do we know about kids roughly the age 25 to 35? Well, that's the age that a lot of people get married. And what do we know about people that get married? Well, statistically speaking, most of them get divorced. I've read some statistics recently that more than 50% of marriages end in divorce. Now, I hope that doesn't happen in your family. I hope your kids get it right the first time. I hope, I hope, I hope, but my hopes don't matter. What we need to do is plan with the practical problem that things like divorce happen. But... If your kid gets that money, like let's say, you know, I've got a kid. I think he's a smart kid. He's little. He's 10, but I think he's a smart kid. So when he's 25, maybe I think he's smart enough to get control of his money. So if we had this trust terminate at the 25th birthday, then he gets the money. And, and let's say he's married uh, and uh, he he does the smart kid stuff like he he pays toward the mortgage on the house he owns jointly with his wife or he. Uh, or he pays off her student loans because they don't like the interest rate, or he buys a minivan for all of my future little grandbabies, or puts the money in a joint investment account and lets it grow. You know, whatever he does, is it, what, I'm, what I'm doing is creating a factual situation where we sort of commingled funds with with other assets that that are marital assets. And then five years later, you know, my son's wife files for divorce, and the question is, well, what happened to my life savings that I left to him? What happened to all this life insurance money? I certainly didn't buy the life insurance money for this future daughter-in-law I don't even know yet. I bought it for my kid. And so 
the question is what happens in that divorce? I don't know. We can't even tell whose is whose anymore. And so my preference and my preference for you, if you're concerned about this stuff is you don't end the trust at 25, or if you have kids that are already over the age of 25, you don't end the trust. You don't give them an outright inheritance. And, and I mean, look, we do that, but you ought to consider giving them their inheritance in a trust that lasts longer. So what I like to do with, as the kids age and they get to that age of majority, the trust doesn't empty and distribute the trustee on the trust changes. So it used to be the uncle was in charge of the money. Now it's the kid himself or herself is in charge of their own money. It's not technically their money. It's technically in a trust, but they're a beneficiary. Now they're making decisions and they can use the the money in their own best interest because they're the beneficiary of the trust. And we can lighten up the distribution standard. We can go from very conservative to a little bit more uh, generous distribution standards. Um, and then now the kid's in control of his or her own money, and they can really distribute the money for wherever they want. But what I like to do is I, I like to have them have a co-trustee because here's the situation. Let's say we go back to the same fact pattern. My kid gets the inheritance. It's in this trust. At 25, rather than distributing outright to my kid, the money's still in a trust, and my kid just becomes a trustee on the trust. Then his his future bride files for divorce. He says, honey, look, I'd love to give you half the stuff that's in my trust. But according to the distribution standards, I can't do it. This trust is has what's called a spendthrift clause, which protects it from issues like creditors and lawsuits and divorces. And so... I'm sorry. Um, I'm happy for you that you're moving on. You found a new guy. I really, truly want you to be happy, but you're not going to be happy with, with the money that my dad left me. And that is what we call a beneficiary-controlled trust. And beneficiary-controlled trusts are well-supported in Pennsylvania with the, the Pennsylvania Trust Code and Case Law that these trusts can be outside the reach of creditors, um, including lawsuits and divorces for your kids. So here's a question. A simple question is, Look, if you're going to leave your kid an inheritance and your kid can get to the money either way, would you rather give it to them in a way that they can get to it, but so can their creditors and predators like divorces and lawsuits? Or would you like to give it to them in a way that is not subject to their creditors and predators, but they can still get to it? And to me, it's an easy answer. Uh, but this is what this is really what estate planning is about, right? Lots of people want to print off these wills that just say it all goes to my kids. But wait a second. Wait a second. What if we just think about this a little harder? What if we have a little bit more conversation about this? What if we what if we think this through a little bit? Because a little bit of planning now can go a long way later if your kid would have that divorce or if your kid would be sued or if your kid would have other creditor issues. And so uh, what I like to do is, is just educate folks on this. That's why we do this radio show. If you'd like to learn more about this stuff, uh, if you'd like to learn more about how we at the Secular Law Firm advise our clients on on doing good estate planning and not just check the box estate planning. Look, some people will come to me and they'll say, we need to get a will. And I'll say, okay, are you here to check the box or are you here to do great planning? And they'll say, well, what do you mean? And I'll say, well, some folks come in here because their dad or their brother or their neighbor or their financial advisor or their priest or their pastor or someone told them you need to get a will. So they come to me and they want to get a will. And those people, I say, you're just here to check the box because you want to feel better about having a will. Or are you here to really do good planning? Are you here to think through some of this stuff? Are you here to coordinate your will with your life insurance? Because young dads, young moms, most of your money is in your life insurance and your retirement account. Most of your money is not in the checking account. But if the will governs your checking account, 
and the life insurance money goes beneficiary designated directly to your kids, what good did your will do, right? This whole thing needs to be coordinated, it needs to be planned, and it needs to be planned well because you love your kids. And you're not just calling us up or calling some lawyer or printing some thing off the internet to check the box to feel good about having a will. You're here to do it correctly. And and so, but it takes some education. So what I would encourage you to do, if you're interested, is one, you can attend one of our in-person workshops. We do them all the time, a couple times a month. I'm, I'm in front of the room answering questions, teaching people these techniques and, and some things that they may want to consider. The other thing I would do, and particularly for well, uh, for younger families, if, if you want to do this, look, I'm a young parent. I have little guys. I know that finding time in the evening to come to a live workshop when I've got six days a week of practice isn't going to happen. So here's what you do. You go to secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, and there under the workshops tab, you will find a link to what we call our Life and Legacy course. Now, during the Life and Legacy course, you're going to go through a series of short videos where you learn a concept like wills or powers of attorney or whatever, and then we ask you some questions based on what you just watched. And while you're going through this course, you are starting to make decisions on what your ultimate estate plan will finally say. But you're doing this in the comfort of your living room or your kitchen or wherever. Um, You don't have to take a day off of work to meet with a lawyer. You get the education through the course. At the end of the course, we will give you a link to schedule a meeting with one of our lawyers. Um, At that meeting, we're going to have the answers to your questions. We're going to... We're going to ask you if you have any additional questions for us. And at that meeting, we typically are able to design an estate plan that fits your needs, fits your situation. Uh, We do 100% flat fee pricing, which you find out all of our pricing during that call with the lawyer. And uh, and it really serves well uh, to help young families get estate plans because, you know, the normal process of getting an estate plan is at least a three meeting. If you're going to do it correctly, it's at least three meetings, you know, and you, have, and you have to take off for the initial consultation, then what's called a design meeting where we get the names of the executors. Then we have to have yet a third meeting to talk about beneficiary designations on life insurance and work with your financial guy or whatever. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to reduce the amount of time you have to take off work to get this thing done because... As a young parent, or a, I, I, I can't keep calling myself young forever, but as a parent of young kids, I know it's hard for both spouses to take a day off of work, to be at the same place at the same time, to pay, to meet a lawyer, uh, and you you're, have all this commitment before you even decide if you like the person or want to work with the person. And so I don't think that's the right way to do it uh, for young working families. I think I think we can we can do better. We as a legal community can do better by delivering uh, a lot of the upfront education and, uh, and decision-making through, uh, through videos and, and digital tools. That's why I created the Life and Legacy course. The course is proprietary. We at the Secular Law Firm created it. We're the only ones around that have it. And, uh, and I, think you'll find it, uh, I think you'll find it useful. So check it out at secularlawfirm.com under the workshops tab. Now, I've only got a couple of minutes left, but here's, uh, here's the other thing I wanted to talk about today. If you have a loved one who's about to go in a nursing home, my my office has gotten busier in the last couple of weeks as the sun has started to shine about people who uh, who need help with long-term care. And I think what's going on is for the last year, the censuses at the nursing homes and the willingness of people to, to do the placement that may be necessary has been 
has been delayed, right? And, and the reason for that is during the shutdown, if you put your parent into a nursing home, it was probably, there was at least a significant risk that that might be the last time you saw your parent. And I'm not trying to be fear-mongering and saying they were immediately going to get COVID and pass away. That's not the idea. But the problem is they weren't allowing visitors for months and months. You couldn't go in and see mom or dad. And now that the nursing homes are largely vaccinated, the staff is vaccinated, the residents are vaccinated, and, and now they've opened up for visitation. And all of a sudden, the the idea of asking for help with providing the care for your loved one has become um, more appealing for families. And, and so the phone is ringing. Families are doing this. Here's here's two quick tips for you. This first, and and I hope this doesn't come off as self-serving, but the ad, the admission to a nursing home, the admission of a loved one to a nursing home is a legal problem. Right? If any other creditor were asking you for $10,000 a month, you'd go speak to somebody before you'd start writing checks for $10,000 a month. And the admission to a nursing home is no different. If you have a loved one going to the nursing home, you need legal help. You need to sit down with us or somebody else that does what we do to make sure that you are making the right decisions with regard to that admission and how you're asking for help financially and what government programs may apply. It's a confusing process, and you need legal help. The second is don't make the assumption that you are not eligible for benefits. Okay, so sometimes the nursing home billing office will say you have too much money. Sometimes you'll read online you have too much money. Sometimes uh, your neighbor will tell you you have too much money. Don't assume that those people or that those websites understand what the heck they're talking about. Give us a call. We'll we'll, uh, analyze your case for free, let you know if we can help. Uh, we're able often to to help people protect significant money, even when they're on the nursing home's doorstep or even after they've been admitted. So uh, would like to help you with that. SecklerLawFirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, LawFirm.com. Or give us a call at 724-841-1393. I appreciate you listening to this week's episode. I hope you found it useful. And I look forward to uh, to meeting you here at the same time next week. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.